Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tribe Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. On this week's episode, we've got a pair of electronic music duos whose histories, as you'll hear, are intimately intertwined. The Knox and Sophie Tucker. The Knox, consisting of James Patterson and Ben Rutner, just released their third album, and it's once again dance floor ready and heavy on the collaborations with indie icons. It's called History, and it's their first since 2018's New York Narcotic, which featured the massive Foster the People collaboration Ride or Die. The guys used the extra time granted them by the pandemic to refocus and make history exactly what they wanted it, and it shows. The album includes guest spots from Cold War Kids, Cannons, and another jam with Foster the People. Check out a little bit of Slow Song, which features Dragonette. Stare at the ceiling, I can feel you trying doors that opened up before. But I'm the one with all the keys, and I'm the one who's walking around here like I own the joints. Now, speaking of features and collaborations, the Knox have worked with Sophie Tucker, the duo consisting of Sophie Holly Weld and Tucker Halpern, a bunch over the years. And as you'll hear in this conversation, Sophie Tucker might not even be a chart-topping outfit at all without the help and influence of James and Ben. Together, they scored a big hit with Best Friend, though if you only know one Sophie Tucker song, it's probably the massive Drinky. But the duo has a brand new record out with the provocative title Wet Tennis, and they're about to embark on a massive tour that includes two huge California shows with the Knox opening as special guests. Check out a little bit of khaki from Wet Tennis. In this conversation, these four talk about their shared history in New York, right down to a specific building that the Beastie Boys used to own. They talk about the old days playing college shows and the new days playing the massive Greek theater. And you'll hear them graciously compliment each other on their latest songs. It's a regular love fest. Enjoy. What has changed for you guys since playing fucking independent for 200 or whatever people to now going to Greek? What's like before before shows? What's the new ritual? Oh, man. I see you guys like doing fucking push-ups and shit. Well, <laughs> I I don't know if you uh, know this, but I herniated a disc very recently. So now I'm literally like everything is going to change. So we're I, having like a physiotherapist on tour with us. Oh, my what? God. <laughs> there's literally I'm t- I, I don't think there's any w- other way for me to do it unfortunately i'm like i i don't know wait what so tell I did. what happened to your disc I, didn't, I missed this i didn't see that i feel like you're always getting injured i know i am always getting injured i mean i just like really enjoy working out a lot but i also don't know what i'm doing so i kind of uh, just like go uh, really hard without much guidance you got to be careful yeah so that's not going to happen again that's why we're bringing a physiotherapist on tour so that she can actually watch me and be like what are you doing oh so you injured yourself exercising 
Yeah, I actually think I injured myself because I was working out um, with Richie and I was doing his workouts. And too crazy. Sophie's just not a professional hockey player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> yeah, reckless behavior. What? What even is the disc in your back? Yeah, it's in my low back, and oh, it's like damn. it's like slipped, and so it's just like hitting a nerve. Oh, I'm sorry. But anyway, so I don't know what my pre-show thing is going to be yet because it'll depend on what my physiotherapist is like cool with mm. me doing. But what it normally is, is I mean, what, whatever we, you do. Like a, an hour before the show, uh I guess an hour and a half now sometimes. Sophie starts her vocal warm-ups usually an hour and a half before which are like horrifying. <laughs> and then uh an hour we start working out, play some music often have some knocks in there oh, and then uh always and then uh we 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 get like fully sweaty and ready to go so that we can kind of come out without having to like warm up the first couple songs so you can just get out of the cannon Smart. and honestly we're getting to the age where we need to like warm up and warm down and i ice after every show it's like the old basketball days getting to the age getting to the yeah. age that was what we, you always had to do that. I literally iced when I was 12. Yeah, so. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Whole life. Speaking of, J-Pad has been hitting the courts lately. I've been hooping. I've been hooping hard. Real hard. Anyone who doesn't know, J-Pad and I both have a, a real history of uh, of basketball. Ballers unite. Have you played each other? We played once in Boston and I was like, couldn't even move. It was embarrassing. That's the time I think about. I remember that. You guys were, we stayed at my parents' house. We tore them up. And I, I think you just like tagged along for like, we had a college gig or something. And you just came with us. I used to just come. That's what she said? Yeah. <laughs> and you always come to like the wackest college shows. It would be like four people. Oh my God. Those college tours. This is before, this is before we ever Before toured. we even had a band, really. I remember, I think we actually, I showed you Drinky in the car with Andy and us oh, three probably. driving up to like Cornell or something. Is that the show when we had people storm the stage and we got in trouble? <sighs> we were just talking <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah, and they tried to sue us. So we had a show and we had like, at the end of the show during Dancing with the DJ, we used to always like ask fans to like come up on stage and dance. And we did it at Cornell and it broke the Whole stage. Whole stage like, fucked up. Like I something remember. like collapsed. And then they were tight. It was like, at the time it was like kind of fine and they'd kind of brush it off and they were just like, stop, stop, whatever. Show was over. And then a week later, they tried to like sue us and try to ask for money off of our fucking fee because we broke their stage. I was like, it's Cornell. Like, how much money does this freaking yeah, right? college also, have? Also, like, <laughs> invest in a good stage, Cornell. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, your, your Ivy League or whatever. Get your Come fucking on, stage no. right. I remember that we went out we hit the like the frat parties afterwards oh yeah wait there's one thing I remember from that though is some girl that we were talking to that kept saying ambient remember she listens to ambient music I do remember that girl I may have made out with her I was gonna leave that out but I'm glad you tapped that in I wasn't wasn't gonna say I was one year out of college it was fun Tucker wasn't trying to get out of college he's trying to stay in forever Van Wilder yeah those were the days we uh for anyone that doesn't know the way we met Tucker was at a college show at his college at Brown, where I guess you were like the local support to anyone that they would book to DJ, basically, right? You'd like open for everyone that came through. Yeah. I was kind of part of the squad that would book the shows, too. Right. Yeah, you were like involved. Which was, yeah. It was like my friend group, and then we would all kind of pitch in to throw the parties and then book me to open for whoever. We did one, I think, before you guys with Gold Room. And then we did that one... 
There was, I, think I, I think I opened before Giraffage once, like some random, <laughs> just, like hype, random just hype machine as hell. Mm-hmm. No, it was, I mean, it was like all the big dope hype machine. Yeah, exactly. Hype machine was the thing. At what venue? At Coliseum. When drinking first came out, hype machine was like still a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. I, we, we've been in some, some interviews and, and people are like, so you, what does it feel like to be one of the last groups to have blown up off Hype Machine? <laughs> we were like, whoa. The other day, I was trying to, I think I was looking for like our remix of your song or something. And then I just remembered like there was that period when Drinking came out and you guys had like a million remixes of it. And it would be like number one on Hype Machine. Like every other week, there'd be a new remix of Drinky. I remix, I mean, remix Drinky. It never came out. Yeah, we, we all did. <laughs> like everyone, everyone that makes music remix Drinky. <laughs> I, I actually Culture did it twice. I actually played yeah. my remix of Drinky at some random party I was DJing last week and it went off. It goes off. The song that never stops. People just recognize that vocal. I love it. Come down to me, make them back to the story though mm-hmm. jpat got fully robbed <laughs> yeah that was the best oh. show ever until a motherfucker literally took my whole J-Pat life got all his shit oh. stolen from backstage and it was like such a bummer because it was such a Laptop. fun show and the vibes were so high and i think we were all like you know a little like, oh. out of our head a little bit on things Money. and like feeling good and the next thing you know it's like oh jpat's bag with all his shit and his passport has been stolen everything all of it and then we bopped around he looking this like after club yeah you yeah. went to like the club looking for to see if someone <laughs> looking to see if someone like was in the, the justin martin after show. party yes. and then remember we saw justin martin getting like dragged in and out of his his set because he was way too faded is this in providence <laughs> yes at yeah. therapy the after after this is like therapy. the only place allowed to be open after four or something because they didn't sell alcohol it was like scary place <laughs> and we're there looking for my fucking backpack for his literal laptop and it was like all the like music they were working on and this is the first night i met them and i i was basically like hosting them trying to like show them a good time i was a huge fan and you know wanted to kick it and i just felt so bad did you all these people backstage that were super like everyone was just so everyone's just like passing out drugs and it was like messed up and just like too loose i remember being like this is extra loose like i've been to some shows but this was like the backstage was just like open season all night stressed out my bag was under the t- the dj table i remember it was under the That's dj right, table the and, and, but the dj t- the dj table was like was like eye level or whatever so so like people at the front could just like reach up onto the stage and a motherfucker reached <laughs> under the table and snagged my backpack in yeah. the story of how we met this never comes up <laughs> and then we all went to miami together and kicked in this was before tucker knew so yeah and i remember you yeah. were making like you were already on the like trying to do like the Euro. You had like a bunch of yeah. edits of like of like two thousands Euros songs, which was like a side project of the, you had like three different things. You're like, <laughs> I want to make house, but I also want to make these like fun edits of like two thousands trance pop songs, which I was like, all right, that's cool, I guess. Uh, <laughs> then, yeah. But then it's funny how you met Sophie and like and remember you played us the Sophie stuff. I was like, this is the vibe. This is what you should chase. Get her to fucking move to New York. This should be the thing. And then I feel like you combined both the vibes, though, because you guys kind of started making more like Euro poppy type stuff. And it like really like it totally makes sense now. Totally. You're like our godfather. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) we we tell this story all the time. And and it's it's like, yeah, I was making some like very mediocre (laughs) remixes, house music, kind of like wannabe chami. (laughs) And then (laughs) 
I loved Chami. You already loved Chami. It was everything. <laughs> that, that we, My DJ sets were only Chami. It was literally all Chami. My man and was we went living to the Chami, for Chami. We went to the Chami show at Warner <laughs> Music, and it was like you were at a Justin Bieber concert or something. You were like so psyched. Wait, we actually saw Chami at the airport. We saw him at the airport, and I panicked. Did you fan? Did you fan out? I panicked. Was he wearing? Was he wearing his priest thing? Yeah, still? full priest. No, he wasn't. In the, the airport? airport? <laughs> I swear he was. This was like five years. This was like right when we started touring. And like, he, you know, he definitely didn't know who we were or anything. And I was shook. He also is like 6'6". Six, six. He's, a, he's, a, he's a big dude. Also, how are you allowed to just wear that? Can anyone just wear like a priest thing? <laughs> he probably got on the plane like early boarding. Yeah. <laughs> like the plane starts going down. Everyone's like praying to him and shit. He's like, no, nah, I just make future face. <laughs> Save us, Shami. Yes, save us. He was like, the savior. <laughs> Back then. That was a real era. That whole, that summer, it was like Shami and Kygo were like the two biggest things in the world that summer yeah. when we met you and we went to winter music. Mm-hmm. SoundCloud, Kygo. God damn. I don't think I ever did winter music again after that. I was like, that's like, <laughs> Yeah, that was my last one. I invited Ben and J-Pat, and I was like, yo, we got this big house, come stay with us. Obviously, we had like 20 people in like a three-bedroom house. I, know. I do- also definitely <laughs> felt like when you invited us, I was like, oh, he probably thinks we're not going to take him up on this, but we're going to go. We pulled up so no. hard. <laughs> no, are you <laughs> kidding? That was the, I was like fully going, hoping that would happen because... You just kind of took me around. I would just Yeah, we, like, we got into all the stuff. Yeah, remember, we were rip- remember we were ripping those scooters around? Yes. Uh, that uh, that was the beginning of my love for scooters, which has continued, by the way. <laughs> I got me you a little, I got got me a little e-scooter. I got me a little e-scooter here. I'll be getting around. Do you? Yeah. Let's go. I got, I, yesterday, I went out and got a 1987 to- Tomos moped. Like one of oh those God. old, like, you know, the old, like, Honda joints? Like yeah, the like the j- Japanese ones. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got one out, of those. Just went out and copped it. I just scooped it. <laughs> I was like... I, I need to be outside more. I hate walking. Just be careful on that thing. Don't take it across the Williamsburg Bridge. I'll tell you that. No, you already did. No. Okay. You I didn't do last it. night. I might have once. Oop. But I have a giant helmet. I mean, it's good. Okay. It's good. I don't, I'm not trying to get too dark, but we have a friend that got killed literally doing that. So No. He stalled out and then he got, it was like, you know, there's no like lanes on the Williamsburg Bridge. It's well, I don't go on the street. I go in the bike lane. Oh, you're on the bike lane. Okay. Well, that's- <laughs> it's like a fucking like peddler, guys. Oh, you're that you're that guy on the moped in the bike path. I'm not out here with the cars. I'm I'm, As, I'm solid. I'm solid. Yeah, cool. I'm anyway. You know me. Not a big risk guy. Not a huge <laughs> risk guy. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the Talk House podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of TalkHouse is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade-plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. 
There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Hey, TalkHouse listeners, it's Josh Modell. Instead of encouraging you to listen to podcasts today, I'm here to encourage you to read something great. The particular something I have in mind is the second issue of The TalkHouse Reader, the print zine spearheaded by our fantastic music editor, Annie Fell. This issue is focused on the intersection of food and music, and it features contributions from Maddie Matheson, Coleman Domingo, Squirrel Flower, Sam Evian, the Blessed Madonna, and more. There are pieces about eating while on tour, the gentrification of food, cooking as a creative catalyst, and much, much more. You can order a copy today, along with the first issue, at store.talkhouse.com. Please do check it out. Yeah, how does it feel to have your second album out in the world? Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Also, congrats. History Thank is you. so good, by the way. We've been waiting to like chat about it. We till, literally just till we were to on this. Non-stop. So then we like had stuff to chat about because they didn't want to talk about the album with you and then get on this and have nothing. Right. To and say. then have to re talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we just, you guys had number one album on the dance charts. We have number one on electronic. We're just holding it down right now. How Let's crazy. Go. Squaw. Squaw. That's so cool. Squaw. Really Turn up. Squaw. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I was really excited to to hear the Powers track. Like hearing Powers and Knox together, it was just like very nostalgic. That was that was a lot of pressure in that session. We're like, "Fuck, how do we like make another song?" It's like we <laughs> got big shoes to fill. But I feel like we it became like the weird like answer to classic. It's like the, it's like we're grown ups now. We're gonna make a song about being older. Yeah, it's I like love that it. One. Yeah. Thank you. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's the very, whole, thank you. It's very thank like, you. mature. Yeah, the whole album though. I feel like how it. The, with the name history and then it it really hits on so many like mm-hmm. specific genres from the history of dance music kind of mm-hmm. and it feels like so nostalgic throughout mm-hmm. which has always kind of been your sound but like i think there's so many huge songs on this album thanks man. like Thank seriously you. love it also who's singing on boombox oh it's the guy from coin that ben coin uh, we were like, is that we like, JPEG? Somebody else asked me that today. They were like, uh, is Boombox you with like a weird filter on your voice? I was like, no. It's just because it doesn't say it. So we were like, what? Yeah, it was like, it's something to do with their label or their or his band or something. But yeah, he, he's, he's they're dope. Fun fact, I sang a version. That, I believe it. That's, no, it's not not tight. I bet it's tight. I mean, your voice is amazing. I love your voice in the Odessa track too. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Hey, Congrats what? on that well, too. Your guys' album is fucking great and i feel like it's like we're all like growing up and getting this like maturity to all our sound mm. i feel like and on the new york uh you shouted us out which was fucking cool preach preach obviously i mean you guys are new york to us so <laughs> well how, how did that song come about like the, the sample like was the idea to make put the sample first the sample came very 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 last like, yeah we, we had the wow, song first and like it didn't have we had a guitar hook it didn't have a good hook yeah and then we realized the content was like our version of a day in the life in New York, 
which was obviously what the original Tom's Diner was about. Yeah. Yeah. And and it felt like a cool homage, 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 homage. to that. We used real drums, which totally is like exciting to us. We've just literally never done that. It's right. always been like 909s, basically. Right. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to a lot of like drum and bass. And the the like he's also been making a lot of drumming. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Next up is side project on? happening. But but like the drums in that, I mean, obviously, often it's not like real drum samples. But I think specifically with summer in New York, it's it's almost like we wanted the track to feel like New York, and there's like a rawness to New York that I feel like clean like house music drums it doesn't feel new york right but yeah. it felt new york with like the the real drums which totally reminds me more of you guys that's why i liked it i feel like like flipping that sample there would be such an obvious way to do it of making it like this really big dumb edm thing where it's mm. boom boom totally there's a lot of people like resampling stuff from certain eras right now and just like throwing a kick drum under it mm -hmm. and i feel like this is way more thought out and cooler and the way that it arrives is cool like you don't know the samples coming Almost, you know what I mean? I actually went by uh, Christie Street the other day, like just like stood in front of the studio, <laughs> the old studio, and took a picture. I have to send uh, it to you. <laughs> that's what that Knox Studio used to be when we wrote yeah. like Soft Animals and a lot of yeah. our early stuff when we were all kicking it there. Yeah, yeah fifty five. That's what our first song was named after. And I don't know if you guys watched that fucking uh, the We Work documentary, but they talk about yeah. the building. They mentioned, yeah. you notice, he literally says yeah. 55 Christie Street. Um, <gasps> I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh God, he said that because they, the guy sold the building to him. Um, but that building had crazy history because it was originally owned by the Beastie Boys. It's cool. Oh, story. yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember my first time walking into the studio, like Tuck and I weren't even friends really at the time. He had just somehow convinced me to move to New York. And I was just like, I don't. Because Ben told me to. Because you. Be <laughs> And so I was like, it's very convincing. Completely, he, yeah. I mean, both of us are pretty convincing. Both of so you are like, wildly. He convincing. he he did it to me, then I did it to her. Ben's got like, mad people to move to New York. I'm like, okay, I don't really know this guy that well, but like, okay, I'm like, I'll, you know, I'm going to go to the studio, and I walk into the studio, and I just remember being. I think there were like six of your homies there too, and it was just like all dudes. I am so intimidated right you now. Sat, like, you sat on the floor, which was like your comfort zone. I feel like that's like always yeah. your, your sure. go-to. Yeah, you like for lay sure. down. And it's like big dudes too. I feel like it was like Luke and Drake and like 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 big dudes. <laughs> yeah, Tall story about like hanging out with a bunch of six foot tall dudes. <laughs> I feel like it felt like family relatively quickly, but like at the very beginning, I was. I was intimidated as fuck. Well, not to, it doesn't help that, that that room is like, literally was like 20 square feet with a low ceiling and like a little <laughs> box with no windows and we're all squeezed yeah. in there in the summer. And then Sophie, you moved like right around the corner, right? In that I weird know. Chinatown building. The weirdest. Oh. Is that the one? the weirdest. Wait, were you in the dentist building? The one that Drake lived in for a while? I lived with like six other people. There was one dude who lived there. I never met him. <laughs> I would just hear him late at night. And it was such a creepy thing to like <laughs> never have met my roommate. And then there was one dude. I'm, I'm not even kidding you. He walked into my room at night one night while mm -hmm. I was sleeping. Mm -hmm. Yes, because he was drunk. Can't do that. Can't that, do that was unbelievably horrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, so like, do you think he just went in the wrong room, or was he trying to get it popping? No, I, I woke up and I was like, "What the fuck? Get out of my room!" My dad came to visit, and he was just like, "Um." 
What are you doing? What have you gotten yourself into, child? That's always the vibe when you first move to New York and your parents come visit. They're just like, oh, they're so worried for you. My goodness. Same. Yeah, that was insane. Also, t- also, Tucker, want to acknowledge you singing more? Oh yeah! Shout, shout out, shout out to the to the vocals. So I think you guys are <laughs> Dude, that that song. Oh yeah, let's talk about that song. That song so A is the, fucking amazing, and it's so fucking fire. I see it. I see it everywhere. I see it's on the dance charts. I see you. No, can we talk about that? Is like the catchiest hook. Like I like wake up in the middle of the night singing it. When I was remixing it, it was like the only song on my brain. Also, thank you for allowing me to remix it. it, was, it was are you kidding? Any any song ever. You guys are our favorite producers ever. Hey, what? How did that song come about? Tell us about that one, Sophie. Did you write Stuck that that again. ridiculous melody? Is that you? I uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I feel like I always have to give like super credit to like you know how we work in the studio where like right. anything that I do like Tucker's like more of that less of that more of that right. less of that you know well that's what I wonder so with, always... with Tucker doing vocals like how does it work like do you guys uh like is it ever like you cut a vocal or Tucker cuts a vocal then you sing his vice versa you know what I mean like do you do you try each other's parts sometimes and see who sounds better doing it it's sort of like the same way we've always done it most of it which is kind of just like figuring it out as we go yeah. and like right. sometimes sophie will be singing a part or making a melody or writing lyrics and then she'll sing it and then we'll realize maybe it's kind of a weird like key for her but we don't want to change the key to the song and then it fits my voice right. well. or like maybe you know we'll be like oh this actually is cooler like low you know singy I don't know. It totally just or, like, like there's songs where I'm like, I literally cannot say this, Tucker. You have to say this because <laughs> I'm going to sound like a like loser. That <laughs> That's actually totally true. Like That's sometimes, so funny. like like um like in Woof, which we actually didn't have on the album. I was oh, like, yeah. I have something, but I can't say it. Did you write that? Yeah, I thought I wrote that. What is it? What are, you got to say it now? Let the people it. know. It was like you, hey. I see you trying to climb in my sunroof. <laughs> I have to say it. And then it goes, I guess it's a good thing I'm waterproof. No, I think I wrote that. I mean, it certainly sounds like you wrote it, <laughs> but I actually wrote it. Are you, sure, are, you, are you sure you want to take credit for that one? No, I don't. Take credit for it. I think like half of the time we have no idea who wrote what. And yeah. now it is really fun because we can like, we can really play with his voice also. In a way that yeah. we didn't before. You guys really compliment each other because Sophie's so kind of light and airy. And then it's like this like booming fucking. It, it reminds me, and I mean this in the most best way, in, in, the, in the way that. Aqua? Yeah. Yes. No! <laughs> no! Yes. Like, no! Like a modern, like, cooler version of Aqua. I, I think when I met you, you had a Barbie girl edit in the stash for sure. Or at least I have some. A, I have yeah. a new one, actually. <laughs> He's not kidding at all. No, I, I did. I redid it in the I pandemic. Know. It's yeah. fine. I'll send it to you. Here. Please. <laughs> yeah. But what Sophie never realized, but my master plan this whole time was <sighs> to slowly become like Aqua Vanga Boys, and she just didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, I'm He's gonna, so manipulative. <laughs> She just Wait. didn't realize. Like all of a sudden, some of the songs are like 140 and BPM, and she just she she didn't know. <laughs> well, that's also funny it's because insane. when we met you, Sophie, like you were not a dance music person. Like you listened to like all like bossa nova music and like a lot of like old school shit. Like I don't know. I feel like what's that been like being all of a sudden like an EDM queen when you like weren't at all into <laughs> dance music before? Yeah, yeah. Like, I you, actually. 
I actually really do like it. Do you go uh, home and now? do you go home and listen to like do you like do your homework now? I like, go listen to a lot of dance music. And- I don't have homework anymore. First of all, um, <laughs> hey, thank, thank goodness. <laughs> but I listen to dance music when I'm working out, and as you know, I love working out. Mm-hmm. And then I listen at home. I still listen to like music largely without drums <laughs> like yeah, yeah um, no totally i'm the same way i, I listen to ambient yeah i listen to like <laughs> nils from uh, most of the time damn i like go to sleep to techno still uh, I know. yeah i know you do i like the whole spectrum of things but you know what i also speaking of um manipulating into liking other genres like <laughs> it's not manipulating it's it's just sh- sharing we, good music can we talk about the brazilian soul horizons. acoustic which is like really oh my god what a great idea ben i know that really that really has gone and done its thing it's like the it's like one of our top songs still it's yeah, crazy it's amazing. same the number of people who come up to us and are like oh my god it's just so funny because it's so far from either of our genres of music <laughs> and it's, it's like for mine. a while it was like on our top three and i was like it was like <laughs> if, if someone went and listened to the knocks right now they'd be like what the fuck or like the fact that it comes up and the artwork is like that like pen and pixel like gangster <laughs> artwork and it's like this that's beautiful the craziest yeah. that's it's the craziest so part funny. about the it's whole it's like song. story of why a story of our career is like confusing the shit out of people yeah. it's just like all we've ever done it's been like oh here you can have this but we're gonna really make it confusing to understand what it is i didn't tell you the next knox album is all boston over records <laughs> yes to confuse them to confuse them even more have you guys like actually thought about the next chapter of like music or are you not even thinking about that yet yeah we've thought about it a lot we have a lot of songs um that we did not that were no that were like you know still in progress they weren't done yet that we're still working on yeah uh, that we feel really good about like really good about but you know i mean it's one of those things i i know you guys feel this but you you make songs you think it's the best song in the world obviously and then some of them like last and some of them they just aren't for me it's like about how often i go back and listen to it and like it's funny how and and i think for us making history was like funny when you said making history it sounds so fucking like (laughs) for for making our album for, for making our album i think the reason it came out um a little more cohesive maybe than the past or just like is that we had so much time like we started it before the pandemic and we made a point to not rush it and i i think at this point i've started trusting just my gut so much more when it comes to like picking songs like at a at a moment in our career we might be like we might have been like oh this song is great like it's big like it feels like it's a big record but like maybe i wouldn't go listen to it or if my homies were in the car i wouldn't want to throw it on because i feel like little weird about it but like that's like the ultimate test for me now is like do i go listen to it on my own like naturally And and do I cringe if I play in a room with my friends? <laughs> I've realized that so many times I hadn't played records that I was working on for people that might be like cool music people because I'd be like, oh, like they're not going to like this. But I know it's big in like the grand scheme of music, but they don't get it. You know what I mean? But like now I'm like, fuck that. It was a serious change in the past like three years, I feel like. <clears throat> being able to sit with stuff like you're saying like it's a, if it passed the test of time and then you think it's the best thing no matter what you leave a session you think what you made is probably somewhat right. good and then like within 48 hours you're like wait this is trash do you have songs that you like deeply regret putting out oh <laughs> uh, yeah definitely because <laughs> honestly no i mean we, i think we have a couple i think everyone does i think ours i think for us is probably that ep that we did that was like when we were on the bieber tour and it like we kind of had to rush it out and it felt very weird. Trouble was on it, which was like my favorite. I still love Trouble. Yeah. Um, but the yeah. rest of it was like, we were, we, that's when we were kind of having like identity crisis. We had just like uh, switched management and 
we thought we could like have more radio thing. I don't know. It just felt like a weird moment for us. Um, if it really caught on or something, it would have seemed like a genius move. And All there's right. still fans that show up asking for songs like that. And we never play them. They're like, you never play something. I'm like, sorry, bro. We don't want to Yeah, play. but if, if you <laughs> if you got people asking to for us to like play Feeling Good, you wouldn't, like, even if that song had done well, you wouldn't feel amazed about it. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, there's definitely something to be said about loving what you make like yeah. no question right. like we we all go out there all year and we we perform it and we stand by it and it sort of represents us as like people and artists in a way as much right. as you know you sort of want to but i think the more you love the shit you're making you know like right. the the more it, it can connect or at least feel like authentic and i know definitely you know, definitely the more it comes across in your performance of it like if you yeah. to perform a song that you fucking love as opposed to a song that you're like eh, about totally totally yeah. and for us it's also become a thing where like we're, we're such producers at heart like we never really thought we'd be like on stage as like artists quote we always wanted to just produce for other people and like kind of fell into this whole thing and i think now we also are good at being like you know what this is a great record but like it's not a knock song like i think it used to be like oh we, we'd make this big record whether it's like that song heat or whatever which is like arguably i think still to this day could have been a hit record if it was like a chain smoker song mm -hmm. but like for the knocks no one wanted that to hear I mean, it still did fine, but it's like, you know what I mean? It's like uh, now we're actually making a point where like, if we have like, like the Odessa record is a great example. We, we've been sitting on that for like six years. The whole thing was basically made. I remember. And we like, and I was like, are we going to make sure I make it a holiday 87 song? So it's like kind of weirder. And it doesn't really feel like it's not funky at all. It's not like a Knox record. And I was going to put it out as a solo thing. And then I was like, let me send it to these guys. And it just like worked out and it's, it makes total sense for them. And we did the, I did the same thing with the record for Teed recently, like his next single I worked on. And like, it was like going to be maybe for us, but not really. And I feel like now we have a much better judgment of like what it's not it used to just be like, oh, this is a big song. We need to make it for us because we were like, it was almost like greedy and like trying to think it was going to help us. But at the end of the day, which I respect about you guys is I feel like you guys have really stuck to your sound so well. And we're all over the place with sounds, but I feel like recently we've made a point to be like oh wait we're producers like we can make records for other people it's like kind of there's a difference between like evolution yeah and departure like, yeah, and, yeah and departure forever. yeah yeah like we you know if we went in and tried to remake drinky every time i think that would be a mistake yeah yeah and a lot of artists do that and those that kind of bores me when like an art starts putting out this it's just like everything sounds exactly i think it's helped us a lot because we have sophie's voice so like now even when and, and now a little bit of my voice even when it you know even maybe the music or like genre is a little like it's a little difference or like we had a couple not four on the floor songs which you know me was painful right <laughs> yeah and, and um and i and now i've been doing a lot more of it just you know gr growing up <laughs> evolution <laughs> yeah. growing but up. but like that it still has Sophie's vo you know, vocals, or it still has the guitar, and there's still signifiers that I think people can tell, like, oh, you know, that sounds like Sophie Tucker or something, which, which yeah. I do think is important. But also, I think with history, you really, I think you kind of hit exactly, like, what you guys at the core of the Knox yeah. are known for, but, like, elevated. Like, That's kind of know, my goal. Like, it's more back to, like, 
just collaborating with with vocalists and like that come from a world that's not dance music was always our thing. We never wanted to feature like yeah. the same vocalist that's on every dance record ever. Like someone like totally. Luna, I don't think I don't think Luna will ever do another feature. I don't think they'll ever will. You know what I mean? There's like certain people that we kind of luck out with getting these features with and stuff. Yeah, that, uh, I love uh, well, the Cannons one. Cannons oh, is that fire. Was really great. Well, then there's Donna Missal. Yeah. Is that how you say it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. In the past couple of years, like all of a sudden Doja Cat and all these people are making these like poppy disco records, which is kind of like our bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And for a while, and for a while, we were kind of like felt like we were like, oh, we got to switch it up. And then we were like, you know what? Let's just like go back to what we're good at. Yeah, I mean, I always think of you when I hear those tracks. I'm always like. It's exactly what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, the amount of text we got when that definitely Dua got Lipa people came yeah, out. Yeah, Did you up. produce this Dua Lipa song? It's like, no, that's just, <laughs> we're not the only ones to make it like dancey disco. Yeah. But uh, yeah. You are the OGs at it for sure. And I think everyone, I think everyone recognizes that though. I do think with the rise of that in pop music, it, like I think what came along with that too is sort of like unspoken respect to the people who are doing it for a while beforehand, which I think you guys are like the main ones. It is cool because there's definitely no one else that's doing like, these are such big like alt nation artists, you know, like all these, these features. And I feel like, like, and obviously foster the people who you had a gigantic, like alt nation super hit with it. Like, it just like makes sense. And it is cool because it's different. I just don't think that many people like bridge those two worlds like that. I mean, coming from someone that you guys had a fucking, you know, we, I mean, together we had a radio, you had like a full international smash. Did you feel like pressure after that? Like to like, be like, fuck, we need another one of those kind of thing. You mean you after, not best really care? after best, after best friend? After best yeah. friend. Yeah. Like did that, did that affect you at all? You didn't really care. I mean, we, it definitely elevated certain things. Like, you know, I think. It was a good growth spurt. More people knew who we were. More than that, more people knew the song. And then we had to like tore our balls off to try to show who we are. Not that, you know, like what song. I mean, so many people still think I sing the Yo, You Want to Meet Me at the Bar part, which (laughs) is J-Pat. And like, uh, you know, (laughs) legendary. Actually, that's still, I think that's still the recording that you sent on a photo. From my laptop. Because we, yeah. we tried, is. like, another, like, more proper recording, but it just didn't it have that, like, raw... It didn't, it didn't bang. It did Pop 40 off the laptop. You don't, you don't yeah. need nice equipment. <laughs> yeah. 18 on pop radio. That's, that's insane. That's still so crazy. So we, we were, like, doing TRL. That just that feels like a weird fever dream that whole, like, couple weeks. <laughs> is this tour you guys are doing going to be the first? Like, you haven't debuted the new show yet, right? With the new production and everything? No, no. We're, gonna, we're gonna be very us about it and turn it into like a competition. So every night is a competition between me and Tucker. The yeah, tree is now in, turned into a giant scoreboard. So I'll like play the drums on like nice. a big scoreboard. And then like, I think nice. we'll have scoreboard. ways of like seeing who wins each night and like you'll never know who's gonna win so like oh so you're gonna have a score whoever's got the best moves we're gonna have score so like whoever's more on that night will win which is kind of fun it'll be interesting to see how our competitive sides show up because if because tucker's like very overtly competitive whereas i'm like slyly competitive so we're we're playing the greek and the shrine with these guys if, if people don't know that june like 17th or something yeah, yeah. Like yeah they're 16, like they're 18, back 17, another, they're 18. like a day apart right san francisco and la that's gonna feel so good we were mm-hmm. so excited when we heard there's a potential that we would oh, all yeah, get to awesome. be playing there it's just gonna feel so good i'm glad we waited no. this long to like
like to not play a show together until it's the Greek. That's like pretty epic. It'll be the biggest one on this tour, I think. Yeah, I think it's and like six thousand people or something. Nine thousand. Thanks for having us. Nine thousand? Holy shit! Really? Holy the Greek? Eight thousand five hundred. Okay, I'm oh, no, gonna yeah, double the, check the, the shrine. Tucker the shrine is, is like six, I think. Exaggeration. Yeah. But we did. We move. We moved the shrine outside because shrine sold out a while ago. So it, it's there's like a they can fit like seven thousand five hundred or something outside at shrine. That's gonna be crazy. I don't know, but these are all gonna be like our biggest shows in these markets, and it's gonna feel really good to do with you guys. I'm also glad they're towards the end. You never want to start with those shows. That's the worst. I know. We're playing Mirage. Uh, that's your opening show. No, but it's like oh. the third or fourth night of tour yeah we and always make a point s- to start in like arizona or something <laughs> like somewhere well random. we're starting we're doing a place where we've all been many times we're doing 9 30 a couple times oh, to that's start great. it off yeah well i think we're wrapping up soon but i did just want to say if anyone um is listening or tuned in or just doesn't know the history that we have with ben and jay it's like like as close to family and as close to deep, deep, deep. sort of like starting the shit together. I mean, they were already a big thing when we met, but it was, mm. I, I looked up to them like they were fucking, that was it. And it was such a dream of mine to be in their shoes and to be in that position. And, and they really took me under their wing and just like, let me be around and let me learn. Wow. We love, We love y'all. No, I say it a lot, but we couldn't be more we couldn't be more grateful, honestly. Yeah. Like there's no um, question that we wouldn't be a band at all. It's crazy. If it wasn't for you. It's no, crazy. Stop. We're, we're no super question. proud. We're super proud of y'all. I mean, I love it because everyone like still like when, when I have homies that like maybe they don't listen to much of either of our music, but when they see you guys do well, they hit me, I'm like, yo, you're it's just like I feel like everyone knows we're like we're like such we're such close buddies, which is cool. And I feel like we're just like everyone we all win, you know, it's fun to watch everyone do this cool shit and watching you guys go around the world has been amazing. Well, this, <laughs> was a ni- this was a nice chat. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we love you guys. Okay, we'll we'll see you like tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the TalkHouse podcast, and thanks to Sophie, Tucker, Ben, and James for chatting. If you like what you heard, please follow TalkHouse on your favorite social channels and podcasting platforms. This episode was produced by Myron Kaplan, and the TalkHouse theme is composed and performed by The Range. See you next time.